episode 41 of the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Amanda Huda. Amanda, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about your story? Yes, thanks, Ross. I am Amanda Kuda. I am a health lifestyle spiritual coach for high-achieving women who want to practice elective sobriety. And elective sobriety is choosing to live an alcohol-free life, not because you hit some sort of rock bottom or you have some sort of problem. Um, that's obviously a valid choice and a valid path, but this is, I work with women who have an opportunity in their life and they realize that alcohol is getting in the way and they want to eliminate that obstacle so that they can live up to their full potential. Very good. Yeah, just the person I want to speak to. So it's my story for, uh, I, I didn't really talk to a whole lot of people, just my close friends would know, but there's a there's a history of alcoholism in my family. Then I'd say that you could also say there's a history of sobriety, which is cool. Mm. <laughs> so I always is aware of both of those, uh, I guess, ends of the spectrum. And uh, I back in Ireland, when you grow up, you make a pledge. So you say, I'm going to, because alcohol is so pervasive in society, right? I don't know if this is in other countries, but you basically make a pledge to say, I guess to God, that you're going to drink at a certain age. I think that's what it was. Anyway, I should know because I did it. But uh, I was like, typical age of 16. And you're about 12 or 13, I think, when you do this. Um, So basically, this is how, this will give me, give people an idea of like how pervasive alcohol is in society. We have to safeguard against alcohol when you're like 12 years old through the church because it's just everywhere. So anyway, uh, most people in my class at 16, I was like, I'm definitely doing 18, but I might do for life. I was like 50-50, I might do for life. And then when I I said to myself when I'm 18, this is crazy now, actually, I haven't talked about this in a long time. Wow, this is wild. This is not, this is not how we do it in America. So I'm I'm intrigued to hear it. Well, I would bet that most people in my class at the time don't remember the pledge at all. It wasn't a big deal for them. But just given my family history, it was pretty big for me. So anyway, I went and said 18, start drinking at 18. And I'm going to, I said I was going to, ideally, I would stop when I'm 30. And uh, I turned 30 in June uh, this year. And I stopped drinking uh, last year in July. So I was able to follow through my plan, which is uh, pretty crazy because like, how often do we make a plan or we have an ambition when we're younger and we, we don't follow through on it? So yeah, it's interesting how that all worked out. And since I pursued the path of elective sobriety, I like that term you use. Yeah. I've been dying to reach out to people and speak to people about it because I feel like it's such a rare sort of path to take. So yeah, Amanda, what uh, what do you think of all of that? Do you think that's a, a typical path for people who pursue elective sobriety? Wow, I have never heard of this like rite of passage before, you know, in um, an American culture. I think that, you know, there probably are some different religious paths that take a pledge of abstinence of some sort, but like choosing an age of which you were going to start drink consciously, start drinking consciously, and also an age where, you know, you might stop. That's a very, I've never heard anything like this, Ross. It's like super wild to me. You know, I decided when I started drinking, um, it was a, um, it was definitely a rite of passage. I noticed that, you know, I grew up in a very small town and I noticed that most of the kids my age had stopped going to sleepovers and doing these like fun, cute little things we used to do to bond. And we'd started, they'd started going to basement parties and drinking over the weekend. And at first I thought, oh, wow, that's so lowbrow. I'm not going to do that. Um, You know, that's for mean people or mean girls or popular kids. And yet I so wanted to be accepted by all of them. And so what happens at one point I decide, okay, here's the tipping point. If I want to hang out with everyone and do it, the other kids my age are doing, I'm going to start drinking. And I, when I started, I I definitely knew I have a a history of alcoholism in my family as well. In fact, I had um, my stepmom, she's not my stepmom any longer, but uh, my dad's second wife, um, she was an alcoholic and I saw her, she was such an intelligent, capable, um, just wonderful woman, but I saw her slip back into it and I thought, wow, that's not what I want to do. And so I consciously remember, you know, maybe not making a pledge like you, but thinking I'm never going to let myself be like Andrea because that was really hard to watch and really disappointing and really scary. Um, And I never let myself get like that. But, um, you know, it was this decision to drink because I wanted to fit in. And I think that's what a lot of people in 
women, you know, a lot of the people who I work with, they they come to this point where they feel like they're socially awkward. The Progression Health Podcast has teamed up with TRX. So TRX is a body weight training piece of equipment that you can hook up anywhere, anytime. And uh, I highly recommend it. I use it in every session with my clients. I use it to warm up and also for stretching. Uh, but if you are traveling, which is where I recommend everyone use it, you know, it's hard to get to a gym. Uh, it's hard to find the time. But you could literally work out from your hotel room with the TRX um, and the door attachment that it has where it doesn't damage the door, but it gives you an effective workout. I also like to add in other things like uh, glute bands and uh, resistance bands. Um, but once you have the TRX, then you can figure all that out. So get yourself 50% off on the TRX home workout equipment with the code Progression Health TRX and boost your workout effectiveness and consistency. Progression Health Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy service which will help you to more effectively manage your mental health. Mental health is very important and it's something that all of us are realizing now, especially after the pandemic. During the pandemic, for me especially, it was very challenging and I, I reached out to BetterHelp. I uh, tried out a few of their licensed therapists and settled on one for the majority of the pandemic and I found uh, the help that I received invaluable. And the great thing also is that you can speak to your therapist outside of sessions. Um, if it's not working out, you can switch. Very affordable. It's really easy to use also. Um, and if someone hasn't tried therapy before, but you're kind of, you know, you're curious, I would highly recommend BetterHelp. So what we've done is uh, we've got a sign up link I'll attach in the show notes. And basically you can get a discount to get started and uh, start improving your mental health today. So BetterHelp for better mental health. Or they want to be like everyone else, or they want to have a tool to help them loosen up. And there's alcohol presented at the perfect time. And as you use this security blanket more and more as a social lubricant or an emotional buffer, it becomes really hard to get rid of the security blanket because you've stunted your growth. You've never learned those skills to actually like get along in society without it. And so a lot of people never come to the point where you are at, where you decide, oh, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to take this thing out of my life because it's scary for them. They don't know how to get along without it. Even if they don't consciously know that's why they are drinking to like emotionally soothe or socially lubricate. They don't consciously think about that. But I think it's really cool that you did come to that point, even, even if it was something that was kind of like premeditated in advance. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I'd like to think it was premeditated, but I don't really know. Like, <laughs> I know that a lot of uh, my classmates, I was probably, the, I was the absolute exception, but um, a lot of my classmates would have either already had been drinking at the age of like 13, mm -hmm. or they didn't make the pledge, which that, that was the common thing, you know? So like, I was the kind of the weirdo that just didn't, I was just like too innocent, I would say, you know, I was like, oh, it's, you know, you drink too much and like only bad things happen. But um, yeah, so basically... The, uh, the journey has been like very interesting, you know, like um, there's no like kind of rule book or I don't think there's a whole lot of books on it or, you know, like people such as yourself. So um, what are kind of like some of the like challenges pursuing this path that, that you see in your clients? You know, I think the biggest one is that we have this narrative in society. And I think this is really across the board that the only reason that you need to quit drinking is if you have a health problem that dictates you must or you have an addiction that also suggests that you must do this to save your life. In your livelihood. So the first buffer I think that people come up with is this, you know, societal norm that the only people who stop drinking are people who um, are addicted or maybe have some sort of religious or health or other sort of higher reason that they need to. And the message that I try to share is that you don't need to have a problem with alcohol for alcohol to be a problem in your life. And if you really think about the ways in which alcohol is holding you back, if there is anything that you are not able to fully achieve if you are not living your dream or you know you don't feel like you're optim you're operating at highest caliber if you're not physically mentally feeling on top of your game then i would urge you to consider could your relationship with alcohol be holding you back and if you have even like the tiniest inkling that oh maybe so then 
it's, it's something that I just like encourage you to be on the cutting edge and realize that you do not have to call yourself an alcoholic, hit rock bottom. Um, if that is your path, absolutely do those things because I think they're very productive ways to find sobriety, but you don't have to do those things. You do not have to hit rock bottom or take on any label. You can just choose to quit because you want to live a better life. And that's why I did it. And let me tell you, my life has transformed before my very eyes into something that's incredibly miraculous that I could have only hoped for in my wildest dreams. And I know that the baseline for that, the foundation for this life that I live today is because I quit drinking alcohol. And I was only drinking Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I say only like I was heavily drinking. I was definitely binge drinking on the weekends, but I wasn't drinking any different than anyone else around me. I definitely, you know, I wasn't um, checking the boxes of any of the stereotypes that are out there saying that I had a problem, but it still was holding me back. And, you know, I'd love to know, like, how did you feel that alcohol was affecting your life? Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting how what is considered normal, like kind of distorted almost, but uh, mm-hmm. how it, affect, it was affecting my life, because it's hard to know what's, you know, normal for an individual or mm-hmm. uh, how it has affected my life is like, I like to describe it like, I'm just thinking now there was a lot of unforced error, you know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? So it's like yeah. a lot of stress, a lot of, uh, so only when I drank, of course, but like a lot of stress or a lot of like mistakes or just kind of like maybe missed opportunities mm-hmm. or things done ineffectively um, that were purely down to my choice to drink alcohol, you know? Yeah. So like I was yep. actively choosing to like put myself in a position where like, you know, I was at a uh, typical like, you know, a party and, you know, let's say I was hanging out with friends I hadn't seen in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, right, this is quality time with my friends, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, this person, that person. And the next day, then I kind of be like, you know, like I really get to talk to them about this thing. I wanted to, you know, like, how's their, you know, hobbies going? How's their relationships? How's, you know, their family, all these kind of things. The meaningful stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like we just completely not get discussed or the quality time wouldn't be there. And then it'd be like, oh, whatever, you know, sure, weren't they drinking as well? It's fine. And it's like, well, I chose to drink like i chose to like you know miss that opportunity in a way mm-hmm. and um yeah it just it actually just got to the point where it just like kept on happening i was just getting sick of it like you know kind of straw that broke the camel's back there was no yeah. like rock bottom mm-hmm. it was when i look back at like the it was actually 10 years that i, I was drinking so 18 to 28 and i would say like hands down like apart from you know like tragedy in your life like you know death uh, natural cause of death. Uh, the worst moments in my life, top 10, we'll say, you know, in those 10 year span, like, the vast majority of them related to alcohol. Yeah. And, if, and if not like directly attributable to alcohol, alcohol exacerbated how bad it was. So for mm-hmm. example, something bad happened. How bad it was, was worse because of alcohol or it lasted longer because alcohol was involved. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's experience is, can be different so like maybe you know that's not how everybody else experienced it but for me it just started being like this is like so obviously preventable mm-hmm. and i was just yeah but i, I kind of uh, had to really make a strong case in my head it took me 10 years to quit like you know yeah. for some reason i was like i'll give it a try everyone else is doing it but i think pretty early on like i'd say about by the age of 21 i was thinking right i'm gonna i'm gonna have to stop this you know yeah yeah what was it like what was happening that you were like oh no this isn't this isn't the thing that you knew that you had to stop it yeah so for example i, I mentioned off here that i'm a bit of a hypochondriac i'm like obsessive about my health being a personal trainer and i what let's say what, what day are we today we're uh thursday let's say mm-hmm. friday night tomorrow night i'm going to a party i'm going to drink i would be like right you know you get dehydrated when you you go drinking i'm gonna have to hydrate beforehand so like mm-hmm. one to three hours beforehand i'm gonna have to start drinking you know like water so yeah or, or if not i'm gonna have to leave out like some fluids for the day after mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna have to like cancel everything on the saturday morning because i'm gonna be hung over yeah um and i would start to like sort of romanticize 
like, oh, it's going to be so much fun when I'm drunk and I'm with, you know, the lads and we're having the crack. And it's like, but like, how, how are you going to have a lot of fun when you're like, you're like, you're less aware and you're less, uh, you know, sort of like able to focus on your friends yeah. and like have quality time. I was kind of lying to myself being like, oh, it's going to be so much better. And it's like, hold on a minute now. Like, is your life so bad that you need to like, you know, uh, get a buzz to have fun? And just so many times where I was conflicted, I was like, I'm doing this thing, but my values are completely the opposite. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, so- I held the my health is just so important to me. Mm-hmm. It's the number one. And alcohol was taken away from that. And I felt like I had to kind of comply with everybody else. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, it's so funny how we have this. We convince ourselves that we need it at, in those social situations to connect or to have fun or to be more fun. But really, it is disconnecting us. It's making it to where, as you notice, like you're not getting to ask those questions that you want to ask. And I have this, you know, this philosophy that's a little edgy. But I really believe that if something is not fun without alcohol, it's probably just not fun. Because what alcohol is doing is making our brains dumb and numb where we're not realizing how maybe dull and repetitive or mundane or difficult some of the situations are that we're in. And we're just, we're not having more fun. We're just making ourselves basically stupid so that we don't realize the situations we're in aren't stimulating. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so for example, something I'm kind of realizing now is like after dark, personally for me, not a whole lot like of good happens, you know, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to be like up awake and active during the sunlight hours. I want to get dark with exceptions, you know, so for example, if some like performers on or something and it's after dark that's different but for the most part whereas alcohol would keep me up late at night because you know you'd have to typically have drinks after hours or whatever and it's just like yeah, that would be something going against my kind of my values and like it would just it, it kept the more I drank and the more often I drank the more I was running into these kind of like barriers to like what I knew to be true to myself and what I valued alcohol was running counter to those constants yeah. we just grind on you actually almost. yeah yeah I, and I think that a lot of people don't sit and get clear on what their values and their desires are because we get so caught up in like keeping up with the hustle and keeping up with other with what other people are doing. And I mean, this this conversation won't resonate with everyone. Here's the deal. I think that there are some people who are meant to just kind of go along and live, live their life and go with the crowd and do, you know, just kind of run on autopilot. And that's okay. And there are some people who are called to a higher level version of themselves. But usually those people get stuck at some point in the hustle, in the grind, in the mediocrity, in the, you know, in the crowd. And if this any little bit of this conversation resonates, I would say that you are someone who is meant to step up and be called up to this higher version of you. And it probably feels intimidating. You probably don't super like the solution we're offering you right now, which is stop drinking and just see what happens. But if there's anything about it that resonates with you, I promise this is something that is like very lucrative for you to consider as a way to optimize your life, step into your best life, attract the life that you're desiring. I mean, I can't say enough about what it's brought into my own life. And and, and any of the people who I've worked with will agree. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, sometimes I have this expectation where I'm like, you know, my life should be like nine out of 10 all the time because I'm sober I should get rewarded for being sober so like re- re- very rarely but sometimes it'll happen and then I'm like it's, it's not that I would have like in a month for example more like nine out of ten days for example but I'd have I'd have less like three out of ten days out. Mm-hmm. so so how bad I can be because I know when I drank and I was hungover hangovers would be torture oh my mm-hmm. god I would that that's just the number one thing I would say like you know the hangovers just to have them out of my life it's like good riddance thank god or whoever but like yeah so I think some people you know maybe they're able to moderate it and they don't get bad hangovers and some people actually say they don't get bad hangovers. That's fine for them. But I think if someone does get strictly bad hangovers, life is hard enough. We do not need that sort of stress in our lives. And just think of kind of like, you know, that you're talking about like a higher calling, but how more effective you could be for yourself, but also for like, you know, like, for example, a big thing as well is, you know, my partner, like I want to be present 
sober uh, and make the most of our time together now that I've mm-hmm. found it that I can. So it's like, yeah. I'm not only impacting myself, but I'm impacting anyone I come into contact with, especially if I was intoxicated, but thankfully I'm not anymore. But yeah, it is, it is a very, I would just, it took me a long time to think about it and make like a really black and white case in my head about why I was doing it. And I would, I would just encourage people to do that. I think that's probably the first thing to do. What, what would you have your clients do if they're kind of like ambivalent? You know, what's the kind of the first step to get them to like get clear on like, you know, the values, like you said? Yeah. You know, I think that asking that question of it's not, do I have a problem? Would my life actually be better without alcohol in the picture? And is there anything that I desire that I want to do that I, in any way that I want to show up, is there anything that I want in this life? Be that, um, like you said, a romantic relationship a different type of social connection, um, a shift in their career, an objective in their career, a spiritual connection, um, a any type of abundance, any type of physical or mental health. What do you want your life to look like? And can you honestly say that alcohol is helping you or hurting? Or can you can you devise is alcohol helping you or hurting you get there? And you know, I was kind of sharing with you before we started recording that you know my personal path is I had started down this um, this personal development journey, and I really wanted to lean into a spiritual lifestyle, not religious but just the spiritual connection. And so I'm reading all of these books. My Audible looks like the who's who of Oprah, Super Soul Sunday. I'm like really connecting with these teachers. And part of me like believes, I understand intellectually what they're talking about. And I believe it's possible, but I'm doing all these things. Like I'm putting all these practices into place. I'm journaling and I'm meditating. I'm going to therapy. I'm praying. I'm da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I added all of these optimal activities to my life. And I still didn't feel like I was achieving this thing that they were talking about. My relationship were still crummy. I hadn't found, you know, the people who I was dating were not, um, you know, great relationships. My friendships were pretty superficial and surface level. I wasn't feeling abundant. I was overworked and underpaid in my career. I wasn't pursuing my calling. I was just like grinding all the time and not getting anywhere. I was like running on a treadmill and not making any, any, you know, gaining any distance. And so finally I had to say, you know what, maybe it's not so much about adding to my life. Maybe it's not so much about doing more of these practices, but maybe it's about something that I'm doing that I need to stop doing. And let me tell you what, I, Ross, I ran that math several times. I'm like, okay, maybe it could be this thing or this thing. And every single time the message was, Amanda, you have something big to do in your life and you cannot do it with alcohol in the picture. And, you know, I shared with you this quote from James Clear. He wrote the best-selling book, Atomic Habits. And he says, the ultimate form of optimization is elimination. There is nothing or nothing is more effective than removing the ineffective. And when I was doing that equation, all I could find was that alcohol, my relationship with alcohol, drinking, the time I spent drinking, the time I spent recovering, that was the most ineffective portion of my life. And it had a negative trickle down effect. Like you said, you weren't showing up as sharp. You weren't being able to be present. I was feeling all of those same things. And it was so freaking frustrating because I was doing all the other stuff that people told me was supposed to make my life magnificent and it wasn't working. And so I had to realize that maybe I was doing something to make a roadblock that, and I was, because once I removed alcohol from the picture, almost instantaneously, things started to fall into place. And yeah, I had to do a lot of catching up like self-development work and and realizing how to navigate the world without alcohol as a buffer. But things got really good really fast. And again, I wasn't drinking at a problematic level, but I was drinking enough that I wasn't helping myself. And for me, that that looks like pursuing now a lifestyle of abstinence, but my life is so good that I hardly think about it. And so um, it's it's really looking at, is there something, is this behavior perhaps the thing that is keeping all the other things in your life from clicking? And for me, that was a, a yes. And that was a hard admission, but I'm glad that I was curious mm-hmm. enough and brave enough to kind of go on the cutting edge and do the experiment. Yeah. And just from looking at your, your social media links and your websites and stuff, it's like, 
your website, it's uh, clear that like you're doing a lot of work now. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think you'll be able to do as much as you're doing without having given up alcohol. Uh, no. Yeah. So I feel as though I'm just thinking back on my own decision to give up alcohol. It's like, it's a big like leap into the unknown, you know? It's like, just, mm-hmm. it's just a fear of the unknown. And I think the biggest one is like socializing. So like, I know even like, for example, going on a date, I would be like, oh, you know, I'll have a drink just to lighten. I kept on coming back to personally the point of like, I want to be present. Mm-hmm. This is quality time. Like I'm going, leaving the house and, you know, I, I might be traveling a distance and I'm investing my time and energy into this social interaction. So I want to get like, you know, as much out of it as I can. And mm-hmm. alcohol takes away from that. But um, yeah, I found it like very refreshing to be sober and just like interact with people. And I can see like who I really connect with and who I actually like generally just, you know, don't connect with. Yeah. Um, do you find that kind of that fear of the unknown and I don't know what you call it, like social anxiety? Is that like, are they some of the challenges that people typically face that you work with? Oh, that's probably, you know, after getting over the hump of, okay, is this an exclusive club for people who have, you know, an addiction or a dependency after getting over that, you know, milestone and realizing that, no, you can just choose this lifestyle. I think the next big fear that comes up is, oh, wow, I'm going to become a social outcast because all of my social, you know, activities are based around this. And it's hard to see another way if you've only been, you kind of have your blinders on, right? You've only been exposed to this way of socializing. And a lot of the people who I work with are what I like to call um, deep feelers. And you might, you know, identify with some of these words, maybe you're introverted, maybe you're highly empathic, maybe you are someone who identifies as a highly sensitive person, maybe you're very intuitive. Um, There's just so many ways to describe this person, right? But it results to the fact that maybe you feel you've always found yourself feeling a little bit different, like an outsider from other people. And so alcohol is a tool by which you've used to blend in to make yourself similar to everyone else. So of course, it's going to feel intimidating to go out in social circles without that, um, that buffer or that thing that's helped you maybe blend in or, you know, help yourself mold yourself into what you think you should be. But the way I like to look at it is you deserve connected, deep connected relationships. You deserve to be in places where people fully support and cheer for your like highest development of self. And that sure as shit wasn't happening for me and my drinking circles. Like none of, I mean, my friends were proud of me and they encouraged me, but it wasn't as active as I deserved it to be. And I wasn't going to find those people until I, let's call it resetting your algorithm, right? Like I'm sure you are on social media and all of, I bet everyone who's listening to this is on social media. You have, you've accumulated an algorithm in your social media. And that means that the app that you're on knows what you like, and it's going to keep showing you more of that. It's going to keep affirming your, your, um, your interest. And so the universe says that as well. You have like a cosmic algorithm going on, right? And so if you've affirmed, I like people who drink, I like, these are the social activities I'm a yes for. This is what I'm used to. You're going to keep seeing more and more of that. But if you make a choice to stop drinking and re, re kind of assert your algorithm, you will start noticing and seeing people and opportunities and experiences that didn't exist before. And I know it can seem intimidating because you're kind of going into the unknown, but I promise that once you've, once you've tight, kind of like recalibrated this algorithm, you will start to find people, places, and events that don't revolve around alcohol. And it will seem like magic, but it's just those things were there the entire time. You just couldn't see them because you were so zoned in on this other way of living. So I hope that kind of explains. Yes, it's scary. And there's all these other experiences available. You just can't see them yet. Yeah, absolutely. Like there is ways of living out there that you don't have to use alcohol to enjoy. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, just like a couple of weekends ago, I went like snorkeling with a friend and there was no alcohol involved. It couldn't yeah, even have... That would be have... incredibly dangerous, first of all, right? <laughs> and it couldn't have been involved because like we were driving and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's, they are out there. Like, you know, as in there was a time where alcohol wasn't around and yeah. there can be a time where, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking more like on a practical level now, I'm like, let's say, for example, someone is like, oh yeah, but you know, 
know, all of my friends drink? How would I say to them, you know, I've stopped? Like, is there any tips you have for somebody who's like, you know, uh, how do you manage a situation where like a friend says something like, you know, I'll go on, have a, have a drink or, you know, come on, have a shot. Or, like, how do you how do you navigate those little kind of micro like challenges? Yeah, you know, I have entire, you know, methodologies around this. So I'm going to give you kind of some basic pointers. The first is to sit in your confidence and know that your truest friends are going to support you and they are not going to make fun of you and try and encourage you. And those that do, it's always about their own discomfort. They don't want you to drink because they want you to have fun. They want you to drink because they don't want to feel weird that you're not drinking. They don't want to feel alone, right? And that doesn't make them bad or wrong or anything. It just makes them human. And if there is, you know, even if your best friends aren't like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited you're not drinking. You have to like kind of toe the line between are they actively like supportive-ish? Can they be accepting? Or are they really trying to distract me? And you have to, at that point, make a judgment call of is this a person that I can let into my circle right now? Because the most sacred thing in your life is you achieving the goals that you want. Confidence comes from commitments that you keep to yourself. If you go back on your commitments just because your friend John or whoever wants you to have a drink and convinces you to have just one, brutally defeating your self-confidence. And maybe John is not the friend for you right now. Maybe he's not the person to hang out with. And if he can't at least just be, uh, you know, someone who's accepting of your decision, it doesn't mean he has to cheerlead for you. But if he's actively detracting from it, then I I would really encourage you to rethink who you're spending your time with in, in the fragile time where you're trying to reassert yourself. But the the really important thing is that you have a really simple script something very easy to say to your friends, which is something as simple as, hey, I'm not drinking right now. Hey, I'm taking 90 days off alcohol. Um, So I wanted to let you know I'm not going to be drinking. And really, you can text your friends that you don't even have to say it up front. You can just say, I'm taking this time frame off of alcohol, but I, you know, I'd love to come along, but I'm just not going to be drinking. And really stating that to where you don't get caught off guard to where it's not, there's no negotiable situation where your friends are trying to convince you into it, I think is one of the most important things. And ultimately, though, if you need to set some boundaries with yourself and just not hang around certain people or be in certain environments for a while. That's okay. Right. And I don't know if you found Ross, if you had to like take a break from certain things, or if you were able to, some people can just seamlessly go and really stand their ground. And some people need a break. It's different for every person. So you just have to choose what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Choose what's best for you. And I think something you're kind of touching on is like to be aware of like why you're doing things and just have thought a lot about the decision you're making. Cause it's not an easy decision. And you know, a lot of people do drink, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I definitely have to like rethink certain situations or like maybe plan a little bit more in advance and instead of just being like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to go to this event or whatever, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, what do I want or what what's important to me or like, you know, what's likely to happen at the event and is that like, you know, something I'm comfortable with or the people who are there and stuff. So just kind of thinking about like what's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so so something that I'm thinking of is just you you meditate, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, kind of just thinking about like your reasoning why, like how important is that and, and, and planning in advance just just kind of because I think once you're clear on that then having the confidence to say like no or you know this is what I'm doing becomes a lot easier is that yeah. true in your experience oh absolutely and the the crazy thing is though as you take a step away from alcohol you start to learn more about what you do want and what you do like and what's a hell yes for you and what's not there are so many situations that you know I really I actually did I was the person who was like I'm resilient this is a this is a hard boundary for me I'm not drinking but I'm still going to try and go to some of the same things so we had this like 
like activity list in my friend group on Friday, we went to this Mexican restaurant, had margaritas on Saturday. We did this on Sunday. We did this. And so I decided I'm going to, I can do this. I can say no and still go to these things. And I did. But what I realized is those activities were no longer filling for me. I did not, I was not stimulated and not, I didn't feel connected in those situations. So I realized if I want to spend time with these people, it has to be in a different setting because we're on different levels here. And this isn't feeling productive and connective and, you know, uplifting for me. And so what I ultimately found was that, yes, there were special occasions when I would go out to the boozy scene thing um, and be present. Um, but I almost always left early um, because my tolerance for those events was very low and better moments for me with my friends were even the brief moments where we would have coffee or work out together um, or just do something simple where we got to be in each other's full presence. And I just really reformatted my life to have more of those experiences because I realized how filling they were and how unfulfilling and unproductive the other ones were. Yeah, you just make me realize, yes, <laughs> I forgot. I sort of don't really go to bars a whole lot anymore. So yeah. like if I have to or... Uh, you know, if I really want to, I do. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I don't just randomly go to a bar, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And uh, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Because it's like just not an environment where like I can't really like hear people when I'm trying to talk to them or um, the alcohol kind of corrupts the situation where like I can't really like um, have that quality time with someone, you know, and um, other options are like you talked about, like working out with people or spending time in nature, for example, or mm-hmm. just kind of simple things, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, having a coffee. Yeah. They've replaced what I used to do. Uh, and I found that like a lot more kind of fulfilling, rewarding. And even just like in a practical example. So let's say, you know, I went before and I had a few drinks with a friend who I was catching up with. Afterwards, you know, I'd be hungover or I would have spent like more money than I would have liked. Or, you know, maybe I would have kind of forgot something or my, my hopes for like, you know, having a good conversation typically didn't go as planned because like, you know, I would have been drunk because I found it difficult to moderate. Whereas it's not like I have the most amazing experience now that I'm sober, but like those little challenges are gone now. You know, I don't yeah. have to worry. I don't have to worry about that. I can kind of like rock up to, you know, a cafe or, you know, a hike. And I don't have to like think as much about like, you know, oh, how much this is going to cost because of alcohol or, you know, uh, what about the hangover the next day? It's just, it just simplifies my life a lot. And that's just a really nice change. Oh, absolutely. It, it cuts out so much of the drama and the, the struggle. I like, I, I don't know if we had started recording when you said this, but you talked about, you know, having, you know, it's not that you have more 10 days, but you have fewer days where you're out of three. And yeah, you get to be at this like even keel so much more frequently. And more often than not, I am at a higher vibration day. I am closer to a 10. And if I go to a three, the most brilliant part is I don't sit there and wallow in it. And I did when I was drinking, I would like, and sometimes that was a reason to drink like, Oh, my life is so hard. Something bad happened. Ah. And instead I have the tools now and the emotional resilience to pull myself out of that three and at least get myself back to a five, which is pretty dang good. And I don't, didn't realize how often I was living in those like lower level numbers. If you're, you know, gauging your days out of zero to 10 until I stopped drinking. And I realized, wow, this is how good life could be. I was really like holding myself back and tethering myself to the ground. Um, It just, it a whole different caliber of life that I'm able to live now that alcohol is out of the picture. Yeah, definitely. It's like a slightly better quality that compounds over time yeah so i actually want to i want to you mentioned this two times though and i want to speak to something that you said about it was really hard to moderate because i guarantee you i I see you out there listener who's like well yeah maybe i'll just drink less though maybe i'll just i'll just moderate which great yes we would love for you to do that that's always a healthier option and um there's this really amazing um article by um, a podcaster and a writer named gretchen rubin 
And um, the article talks about these two different archetypes that exist. And one is moderators and one is abstainers. And moderators naturally moderate well. They do better when they have options and when they can kind of make choices. And there's they don't tend to go overboard. They don't tend to have like that binge moment. Whereas an abstainer is someone who is much more all or nothing. They, um, if, if it's a yes, then there's a really big um, opportunity to go overboard. But if there's some restriction, they actually find a lot of freedom. So if the decision is to abstain, that actually becomes really easy over time because a no is takes it out of their head, right? And even though I wanted to be, and most of us would love to be a moderator, if that's not something that comes naturally to you, you're probably an abstainer. And this goes across the board. This isn't just with alcohol. This is with exercise. If I'm not consistent, then I don't do it. I, I'm all or nothing. Um, it's with cookies. If you tell me there's a plate of cookies there, you can have one or you can have none. I probably better go with none because once I go over the tipping point, I'm probably going to keep going back for more, for more. And so I found a lot of freedom in embracing this concept and knowing that, hey, if I just choose to abstain, I'm eliminating a whole thought process that I, something I don't have to think of, something I don't have to plan for, something I don't have to try and control something I don't have to shame myself for if it doesn't go right, something I don't have to recover from. I just gained so many freaking hours and brain cells and um, minutes back in my day by not even having to think about the decision of alcohol. And um, so if you're finding yourself like, oh, I want to try and moderate, but it's really hard. I would encourage you to consider what if you're just an abstainer? How much freedom could be found if you just said, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I just, I do better if I just say no. Or if I just set a hard boundary and I found a ton of freedom in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, ruminate a lot, you know, like mm-hmm. to, I, I would like to be able to, you know, have a better relationship with like my thought patterns. But, you know, especially with alcohol, it's, it's an extra thing to ruminate over. So basically yeah. just to overthink about, brood over. And uh, I'm just thinking back to like just before uh, I stopped drinking, I said to myself, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have, I'm trying to moderate. So I was like, I'm going to have max four drinks or one drink. And even at that, I would still be overthinking it and spending time thinking about, you know, the external, which is like alcohol. And it's like so now that I've stopped, I still ruminate, but I'm I'm focusing on things related to me, like internally how I'm feeling or things within my control that uh, have like a better payout, I would say. So um yeah, like the, the uh the thinking and the rumination, that side effect bet I have a better relationship with with my like my mental health and my thinking. Yeah, you um, free up some time. From, you know, abstaining because the moderation was just too difficult to realize, yeah. Uh I don't even it's not even worth it to moderate for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not I mean, I just have so much more brain space and time that alcohol has become insignificant in my life. And it's not that I'm here to, I don't, I do not preach anything. I'm not here to shove sobriety down anyone's throat. This is for people who have like a curiosity. I'm here to have the conversation and be like a permission slip giver and a way shower. And at that same time, you know, there is, oh, I just like really spaced and forgot where I was going with this thought. Can you tell me what you just said right before? Uh, so we were talking about uh, giving permission to people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're not trying to like, oh, okay. Right. It's, it's not, it's not about you have to quit drinking forever, but if you quit drinking long enough that you give yourself a chance to really show up in your life, you will probably find that alcohol becomes insignificant. So it's not even a question anymore. And that's a really freaking powerful place to get to because you now have a competitive edge against everyone. I don't care if it's in your job, in your, you know, if you, in your relationships, whatever. And, and this is not to like say that you're trying to be better. 
but you have a competitive edge that cannot be matched. And that will absolutely have a trickle down effect into your relationships, into your work, into your personal, mental, and spiritual health. It is just a place if you get there that it's really powerful to say, I don't don't even think about that anymore. That's not even on my radar. And it's a really hard concept to get to if it's a significant part of your life right now. But I can promise you that it is possible and it's really, really good when it happens. But um, this isn't about like, oh, quit drinking forever. I would never say for anyone to make that your goal forever is like a bad F word for me. But it's really cool when you get to the point where you've done it so long and you built up some resilience and some tools and your life has started to shift and change. And then you're just like, oh, mm, that's a thing I used to do. I don't think I'm interested in doing that anymore. And yeah, I think that's a really cool place to get to. And I know you're kind of just past the one mark, one year mark, Ross. So there's, you know, you can make tons of decisions. It doesn't have to be a forever decision for you, but, and um, if you get to a point where it's insignificant, that's, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. I, I would say uh, kind of like you're talking about giving permission. It's kind of like, yes, it is possible. Even though like alcohol is like so pervasive in society. Like uh, it's funny. I see like tequila has just like blown up and there's like, uh, you know, is it George Clooney or whatever his name is? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody has an alcohol brand. Conor, yeah. Conor McGregor. I see James Harden has on as well. It's just like, what is going on? Like as in people just do anything to make a bit of money, but it's like, uh, I would have thought the reason I didn't stop sooner was because I didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm. And it is. And like, you know, uh, life does go on and like, you know, it's not the end of the world if you stop. Yeah. I guess I just hadn't seen, um, like um, it happened, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think also I'm not 100 sure, but I think what helped me make a decision was a friend of mine that stopped at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped me. Yeah, it, it is possible. So just just one thing I'm thinking of is uh, you're speaking about like not trying to be preachy and stuff like that. And I'm definitely outwardly I'm not, but in my head, if someone if I know someone has a uh, an issue with alcohol and they try like they, they're not good at with moderating it, you know, mm-hmm. like they 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 binge drink, they drink excessively. I find it quite hard to like relate to that person now that I've stopped. Yeah. So. Do you have any tips on that? Because like, you know, I, I've had issues with alcohol, you know, I've mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes. I've drank too much. So I'm not better than anybody else. And I know that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're around somebody who's drinking too much, you kind of your worst side gets the better you sometimes. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's not like I would go up to the person and be like, you're a bad person. You shouldn't be drinking. It's nothing like that. It's more just like maybe I wouldn't go up and talk to them. And I'm like, like, if I want to talk to somebody, I should talk to them. It shouldn't matter if they drink or not. And I don't want to be stuck in that place. So I guess that's something that I'm kind of challenged with right now. And uh, I wonder, do you have any experience around around that? Totally. Yeah. It's in this place where you're kind of in this, you you can't unsee what you know. Yeah. And there's part of you that wants to share that with other people, but some people aren't ready for it. That's the thing. And I truly, you know, I am on a spiritual path so I can relate this most closely to the path of like Dharma. Um, And everyone has their own Dharmic path that they're on in this life. And um, this isn't like a principle of Dharma. So don't like quote me here, but you know, if you envision it like that, some people are on the Dharmic path just to kind of, like I said, do go with the crowd, go with the herd, have fun, be carefree. And they're never going to, they might have a problem with alcohol. They might be poor moderators, but it's never going to occur to them to change that relationship. And so I see it would be unproductive for me to go and try and like force feed this concept to them um, or to judge them or whatever. I just have to say, okay, you know what? That's their path. And if they so choose to stay on it, that's cool. That's, that's for them. I'm here to like, you know, as a spiritual person, see them with as much love as possible and, you know, also temper how much time I spend with them, especially when they're in that state. But then there's this other, you know, group of people who kind of like you, you didn't think it was possible because you hadn't seen anyone do it. And so now you have stepped into this role where you can be an expansive presence for other people. 
And I say presence because that's, that's just what it is. It is you showing up and exemplifying how good it can be to live an alcohol-free life. And you can kind of slip it in like a soft sale um, when you are, are in conversation, like, oh, I don't drink anymore, or you know, I feel really great and really just talking up this lifestyle, but not making it to where it's a um, something more pitching to them all the time, or you're preaching, or you're really, you know, on a soapbox about because typically with something that's as um, polarizing as sobriety, that will turn people the other way really quickly. So I think that my job and anyone's job is to just be an example of what's possible. And the people who are curious and have been looking for maybe a reason or a permission slip, you'll feel them lean in. You'll feel them ask a question a little more. You'll feel, you'll see their ears perk up um, in a different way when you're talking to them. And those are the people who you can really make a difference with. I'm so much more productive to have like a short conversation, a kind conversation with that person than to spend your energy either hanging out with someone who you don't feel like you're on the same level or trying to change them so that you can feel that you're on the same level. Like both of those are heavy lift activities, right? And I'd much rather spend my time talking to someone who's like a little bit, even just the tiniest bit curious. And um, yeah, that's how I choose choose to do it. I'll, I'll share with anyone what I do because, you know, it is my career as well. Um, so I get in a lot of really weird conversations at dinner parties where it's not just, I don't drink, but I teach people not to drink. Um, and so I've definitely been in this situation that you're describing where you have somebody with who's like, you know, a couple sheets to the wind trying to like, explain, yeah, that's, you know, that's really interesting. Or they're, they're justifying their relationship with alcohol with me. And I've just really worked hard to come to a place where I'm like, it's cool. No judgment. That's your path. It's not mine. And you're, you're not bad, wrong, or evil. And I don't have to convince you. I'm not trying to persuade you to be another way than what you are right now. But if you have questions, I'm here to talk more. Yeah. I think that's a great approach to say, if you have any questions, you know, I'm here, but I'm not going to make any, uh, attempts. I'm not going to give like a TED talk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like it is a really heavy lift to try and convince anybody of anything. And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, especially talk with alcohol, especially if someone is like, you know, drinking as well at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. Um, you're just, you're almost wasting your time, but, uh, it sounds as though you're talking a lot about like being aware being mindful how big is mindfulness and just kind of being aware of like your values um when you're trying to make a change like this or you're considering change like oh it's it's huge because you my relationship with mindfulness has as i said i was trying to be mindful um you know seven so years ago before i stopped drinking i thought i was doing it but it's really hard to be mindful when you're actively engaging frequently in something that tended to be mindless and so i had to be i had to get really clear and get really grounded and this is what I encourage all my clients to do as well. And how do you want to feel every day? And how, what can you do to contribute to that positive, good feeling that you're wanting to cultivate? And my ability to be mindful and to be in this place of seeing people with positive energy, of showing up a little more calm, of getting back to a five or getting back to a seven, if I'm down at a three, that's all mindfulness. That's all mindset. That's all deep inner work. And I did not have the capacity to do that work to even understand what my values were, let alone understand and have the energy to live them out until I got alcohol out of the way. So I think it's extremely important. And it's also a beautiful byproduct of stepping away from kind of a mindless lifestyle. Yeah, that's making me think of like, some of the things I noticed when I stopped. So uh, I always knew that I was like, on the more anxious side, and I knew that I would like go through periods of like feeling low. But now that I've 
stop drinking i realized like it's it's like uh, i can have periods where i'm like anxious or i'm like depressed and uh almost like uh instead of it being something that's like trying to treat with alcohol medicate with alcohol it's like i um now that i'm like sober and i'm more aware I'm like more able to like deal with a challenge like that because you know like for example uh you might be diagnosed with like depression or anxiety but like there still might be a certain day or time period you are depressed or you aren't and I'm like more there's more of me to deal with those things so do you think that people could become aware more of like their mental health and like you know the experience I've had is that something that you notice Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and you know Here's here's the deal. Alcohol is depressant. If you have anxiety, if you have depression, it's only literally pouring fuel on the fire. And alcohol changes your you on a cellular level. It changes your brain, your cognitive function. And not just in the hours that you're drinking, it does it over time. And so I'm not, I'm just an armchair expert explaining these things. If you want a really good explanation, um, Andrew Huberman just put out a podcast with a very, a really, really uh, practical, easy to absorb explanation of how alcohol changes you. And if people like to be ignorant to that, right? They like to think it's helping their depression, it's helping their anxiety, um, or it's helping them in some way, or it's not really doing anything that bad. But this stuff, let me get on my little pedestal. It's poison. It's ethanol. It is changing every single one of your vital organs. If you have anything health-wise, mental-wise, that's not really feeling good for you, you are only exacerbating that problem by adding alcohol into your system because it changes your brain function and it makes it to where your body is playing keep up, get rid of that toxin. And so all of your other vital organs are not functioning optimally, doing the thing they're supposed to do because they're so busy flushing out alcohol. And that's not good. If you're suffering mentally or physically, you want your body's full attention focused on that issue, not focused on flushing out some freaking fighter fluid that you decided to drink over the weekend. And um, it's just, yeah, you can improve, not that it's going to cure depression or cure anxiety, but it's going to give you a much more targeted gateway to um, to solve for it if you have alcohol out of the way. Yeah, it's funny. That, that was one of the misconceptions I had. I was like, you know, a couple of months into it and I was like, oh, I'm still feeling anxious or I'm still feeling a bit depressed. And it's like, yeah, like now you know that the depression or the anxiety that you, you you go through sometimes it's not because of the alcohol it's something else mm-hmm. but it's like right that's one thing ruled out it's not alcohol and you don't have to spend time coming back from a hangover now so you can actually kind of like sober with the sober mind uh, you can apply you know all your resources to improving your mental health which kind of like it's kind of quite freeing because it's like right that that's what the alcohol is one thing that isn't holding me back so it's, it's got to be something else. Or maybe, you know, mental health challenges are not curable. Uh, maybe I can live with them more effectively now that, you know, I'm sober, which I would definitely say is the case. Like, you know, you mentioned therapy, you know, I go to therapy and uh, I find that uh, you're just uh, more capable and stronger. You know, you're like, you're not, you're not held back by, you know, being hungover or ruminating about alcohol. Like I, I, need, I mean, alcohol for me was like pouring lighter fluid on my anxiety. I, you know, thought that it made me less anxious, but the next day, anytime I was hungover, you know, there's this cute term, anxiety, like a hangover and anxiety paired together. It's not cute. It is terrifying. Um, and it does not feel good. And I spent a lot of my weekend in that deep anxiety feeling where I just felt like something was unsettled. And I haven't had that feeling in almost five years. And anytime I've had actual anxiety, I've known what to do to get through it. And before I had no clue. My body had forgotten those functions, right? I trained myself out of it. And now I'm back on track. And my body can, I can handle it. And, or if I, you know, was on the medicated path, that medication is only going to work better if you don't have anything else. You're not self-medicating at the same time. So I, in my mind, it's a win-win if you are 
hoping to live a more mentally and physically optimized, healthy, stable life. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny in Ireland, we have a term called the fear. So basically, mm-hmm. it's like you wake up and you're just like, you, you have that like uh, anxiety, the, the hungover anxiety. And it's like fear of like the unknown. It's like, oh, I said something that I'm going to regret or I did something I'm going to regret. You don't know what it is, but it's it's just anxiety brought on or exacerbated by being hungover. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a, like a, a bona fide term back in Ireland. Oh, wow. Like, I, yeah. That's wild. I love that you have a term for it. My One of my girlfriends and I called it the sadness, but it's the same thing. But that was like our cute little like, hey, I'm feeling the sadness today. But I never discussed it with anyone because we don't, you know, up until recently, there haven't been people talking about this. But it's so cool that in Ireland, like there's this like rite of passage and all these steps. And there's kind of like a, a nomenclature around it, even if it's maybe still making it like a little cutesy. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, because it's kind of like, what could there be if we didn't have to deal with whatever challenge you're facing, if it wasn't clouded in a hangover? Like, you know, how much more effective could we be? You know, interesting to consider that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll give you a shortcut. You'll be unstoppable. Like you will be operating at a level. Will it be all roses all the time? No, but you'll be more capable of taking on anything life throws at you because you are inherently capable, intelligent person whose body was made to feel all these emotions. Let me tell you what, I don't care what you believe spiritually, but your body would not have been gifted with the ability to feel emotions if you weren't capable of doing it. And once you master that capability that is like universally given, you're just going to feel really freaking powerful all the time. And that's a really cool way to feel personally. Yeah, it definitely feels better than uh, having the doubts that alcohol brings. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, let's say, for example, I was like, moderation is fine you know but like i want to uh improve my relationship with alcohol and i wanted to work with you uh and i I hadn't maybe like five years ago for example like what would be like kind of the first steps you would take me through um to improve my relationship with alcohol yeah the very first thing i think is doing a period of elimination it has you have to give alcohol the time to clear from your body and you have to give yourself the opportunity to operate without it and for me the minimum is 90 days and that's for a lot of technical reasons like we really want alcohol to clear from your system but we also want to give you different opportunities to have life experiences without alcohol in the picture And so for me, number one step is non-negotiable 90 days off of alcohol and then reassess from there. Know that that's not 90 days and then you're ready to go. You can start drinking again in 90 days, then you reassess. But for me, unless you really take a break from something, you don't, if it's always, uh, oh, on a special occasion or if it's always negotiable, you're never going to get the true benefit of seeing how resilient you are and, and knowing yourself. And so non, non-negotiable 90 day break. And um, I support people with that in a couple different ways through private one-on-one coaching where we're talking um, frequently, um, maybe even daily sometimes um, back and forth about just holding you accountable. But I also have courses and different, there's t- several different paths depending upon you know, what you feel is most important, but the, you know, everyone, this is not, even if you're not addicted, this is not an easy path because it's so socially acceptable. It feels really scary. And you have to relearn a lot of skills that you've been neglecting for years. And so having someone there to kind of redirect you and point you down the path is, is really helpful. And, um, I, I'm really feel grateful that I'm doing this as my job right now. Yeah. It's a very, very important job. Um, mm-hmm. because not everybody who is, um, addiction free, you know, uh, is kind of without a potential. So yeah. like, um, relearning the skills is like a really big thing that, uh, you know, I found, you know, 
before I started drinking, of course, I was able to socialize without alcohol. So just mm-hmm. really relearning that. The knock-on effects can be uh, huge. Like, so for example, I used to smoke like weed, you know, we're here in California. Mm-hmm. I stopped doing that because I was like, I realized that wasn't having a good impact on me. So mm-hmm. like it can, it can have uh, downstream benefits in other ways that you wouldn't anticipate. But I think, you know, just in my own case, because I was drinking and not fully aware i didn't know these potentials so yeah, yeah i think working with someone like yourself would be like really useful for anyone who's ambivalent yeah absolutely uh, is there any final messages amanda that you want to wrap up with before we uh we finish up or any links or any courses anything coming up that you have yeah you know i have a course um my foundational course um because it's everything that i do is rooted in spirituality and um, one of the things that i find with the women who i work with is that they're both sober curious and spiritually curious and so I have a course coming up in October called Stop Drinking, Start Manifesting. Um, that is typically only for women, but I do work with men privately in my one-on-one coaching. But um, mostly I would just love to connect with anyone who this message resonated with a lot or a little. Um, I'm at Amanda Kuda on Instagram. You can find me there and DM me, lurk around, snoop around, whatever feels good for you. But I'm just here really to wake people up to their potential in this lifetime. And my path for doing that is elective sobriety. And if that is something that is even like tiny bit making you curious, I think it's something that it's worth checking out. Yeah, that'd be the key thing I would say as well. If if you're in any way curious, just pursue that curiosity just consider what life could be like without alcohol it's, it's yeah. definitely one of the best decisions i've ever made to to stop but curious yeah. no one no one I, I have ever met has ever regretted taking 90 days off or quitting altogether um so i i think that there's nothing to lose it's just a, a period of self-discovery and i think it would be a great opportunity for anyone yeah thank you very much amanda uh, we'll see you yeah thanks so much ross